0: We're back after UFC 27 for the first show of 2017. This is actually the first time that we've ever done a show outside of 2016. It's a random extra rounds podcast fact <laughs> for those of you who uh, are regular watchers of the show. Um, hope everyone had a Happy New Year, Happy Holiday. Uh, enjoyed UFC 207. Um, on the agenda today, we have Jason Perillo, boxing coach, uh, coaches Michael Bisping, Chris Cyborg, amongst others, uh, joining the show to kind of talk about all things MMA, a variety of topics. We'll get them to weigh in on. Uh, we also are going to start the show by breaking down uh, some awards, talking about UFC 207 a little bit, breaking down some of our, our awards, our fighter of 2016, our uh, fight of 2016, and <clears throat> we'll go from there. But first, let's talk about UFC 207 because that's kind of the biggest uh, yeah, sticking point for everybody right now is what happened with Ronda Rousey. So first of all, um, were you surprised?
1: You know, I picked Nunes to win. I didn't pick for the fight to go so one-sided, so fast for her. But I will say this. I can't act like I'm a genius uh, that I predict the future. I I can say this. uh, Amanda Nunes' team was not surprised. I've been talking about this in in private conversations. I've written about it a tad bit, Mike. But, you know, everyone always thinks they're going to win. Everyone thinks their fighter's going to win, and they'll say it, you know. But in in real one-on-one conversations, and I'm sure you've, you've found this to be true too, Mike, they they admit going into fight like yeah we don't know what's going to happen right like they know they know this is a tough sport and it's competitive uh, anything can happen I had never in it's going on twelve years now of covering the fights I had never spoken with more confident close to arrogant um, team and teammates and coaches of a fighter um, than Amanda Nunes' team I spoke with several of her coaches several of her teammates. Leading in the months leading up to this fight, the weeks leading up to this fight. We spoke with Alex Chambers as well, who was diplomatic. But they mm-hmm. were just outright positive that Amanda Nunes was not only going to beat Ronda Rousey, but that she would beat her bad, hurt her bad, do it easily, do it fast. It's amazing. And now we see why they were so confident. I mean, I I can go into multiple, like... Quotes and this and that, but they just—they were just so cocksure. Amanda herself, she had talked about when she took the fight. She said, "I'll take the fight. I asked for it, and I'll—I'll I'll give her a rematch immediately afterwards." They were so positive that it was going to go exactly the way and went down. Got to give them credit. Yeah, and what's interesting is uh,
0: that the media obligations, in an effort to protect Rousey, they circumvented it, which they wouldn't do for Conor McGregor heading into UFC two hundred, if you remember. But somehow. That goes to show you where Conor McGregor is as far as star power goes in the UFC. Um, He's still second to Rousey in their eyes. Well, going into 207, maybe not anymore. But uh, Nunez talked about after the fight about how the lack of media obligations and all the stuff during fight week was almost a benefit to her. It didn't distract her in the slightest. Um, If anything, it helped her. She was able to... She talked about in the post-fight press conference about how she was able to enjoy the week. Mm -hmm. She didn't have media obligations. She didn't have open workouts or have to rush around and do all these things. She could kind of just... Have a normal week and fly under the radar. And while that might have been done to help Rousey, it ultimately helped her opponent. Yeah. So that's a very
1: good point. It's a I can't even imagine, Mike, having to do all the things these fighters do while cutting weight, while anticipating, doing the final preparations for a fight. It's I mean, preparing for a fight is extremely stressful, even if you're doing it for fun for a challenge, not even for your own profession. It's very stressful. I can't imagine having to talk about that fight four times a day in the week leading up to it. So, yeah, Amanda Nunes didn't seem to mind. She did a really good, uh, like, yeah, hotel room interview with Ariel Helwani, and that's about all I saw, and she didn't have to do more. I'm sh- I'm not surprised that she liked it. So that's, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe we're going to start seeing a pattern now.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I think fans to take it for granted how much all that stuff kind of weighs on you and distracts you and you're trying to cut weight but you have to you know you have to do media day and press conference and then you have to sit in this room and do these like live broadcast stuff that we see it's like every espn and fox sports and this show and that show um it's just it's kind of like weight cutting i think like fans take it for granted but they don't necessarily understand like how taxing it is like you know a person's like a fan can be you know a casual fan or he can be like, You're supposed to meet weight and ridicule a fighter for missing, but doesn't really understand how difficult it yeah. can actually be or how taxing it is on the body. Like everybody, you know, criticizing uh, Chris Cyborg for not taking the title fight at UFC 208 when she said she needed time to recover from the extreme weight cutting. You know, it's like that thing like, well, you could have had the featherweight title fight when she's critical, the fact that she's not in it. Right. And it's like, well, no, it's just not that simple. Yeah. You know, it's not like. I'm going to stop eating donuts and lose a pound in a
1: month. Like yeah. it's She's not on the couch like fat right now. That's not the issue.
0: Right. So Very good point. Um but she she won in dominant fashion and then she criticized Ronda Rousey's coach and he's taken a lot <laughs> of verbal abuse for a long time about yeah. not necessarily being the best coach for her. Yeah. I don't want to say the best coach in general, but for her, he hasn't really seemed to do much to improve her careers, so, or at least that's the criticism. It's yeah. that he's ridden the coattails of her having this great judo skill set and this one arm bar that she's been able to use to great success. And he's a boxing coach. And it seemed that it was evident and, you know, in the Nunes fight and maybe even the Holly Holm fight that he hasn't improved her boxing. Yeah. I mean, what's your read on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think, well, one, I think the, People have been wary of the guy for a while. Like right before he even started training Ronda Rousey, he's he got convicted for like identity theft. And every interview he does is he sounds pretty delusional. He said things like I'll, "I would beat Jose Aldo," and he talks about he tells these stories about how Ronda Rousey is, could win a world championship, but boxing, which is absurd, and then all these things she does to pro boxers in, in, um, in sparring, which sounds absurd. Um, so he, he seems like a creepy dude. Now, in terms of his training, we haven't seen much. We see them holding mitts, and he does a lot of, like, intricate, like, big, long combination work with her. Rhonda definitely punches fast and hits hard, but she hasn't done things like um, master great footwork, have head movement. um, And now we're seeing more and more stuff come out. We're seeing uh, seeing people like Kenny Florian on his podcast with John Anik earlier this week. Said what a lot of people have said in private, which is, Edmund Tavrinian is a nice guy, and he's not qualified to coach high level MMA. Dean Thomas, who's a coach of Amanda Nunes, who I haven't mentioned, just came into the door. I was running late, which is my, my fault. He loved Dean Thomas and Amanda Nunes. Is one of her coaches would love to be on the show next week, so we gotta have him weigh in on this very subject. He's outspoken and very technical. and I think he will give good perspective. But he said uh, uh, as well as Matt Sarah, like, yeah, the guy's just not qualified. He doesn't know MMA. Um. So, yeah, I don't think he's qualified to, to to coach high-level MMA. I don't think he gives her uh, sparring. Kenny Florian went so far as saying he had – it was his understanding that Ronda didn't do any sparring leading up to this fight. And Ronda was – yeah, I know. Ronda was very much the same fighter she was before, right? And that's a great fighter, but it's a bad matchup for someone that can uh, disengage from the clinch and then has really good striking. So, yeah, Edmund seems to have a weird relationship with her. Rhonda's own mother, who I don't know, have a relationship with, who seems like a very smart woman and a, and a world champion combat athlete, has said for, for a couple of years now that he's just a he's a bad dude. Um, and he doesn't really produce anyone else um, that does well in MMA. He had Vic Darchinian worked with him for a while, and they had success at a high-level in boxing. Um, but, yeah, it's a strange thing. I, the only thing that we ever seen, them. I wrote an article for MixedMartialArts.com, talk, four reasons why... Ronda Rousey lost. People could check that out, and there's four, four things uh, that she did and didn't do that I think contributed. But the little we have seen, he has her do strange things like frame out after she ends a punch combination. I don't know what the purpose of that is, but it doesn't work well for her. Uh, Amanda Nunes went over the top of those extended arms a lot, so I don't think Amanda. I don't think Ronda Rousey is is improving. I don't know whose fault that is, but I do know she's not at a camp or with a coach um, that is known for producing high quality m m a fighters it's just you know you, you almost try to think about what
0: she where she would be if she had gone to Winklejohn at some point earlier sure. in his career or, sure I mean even American top team or you know i mean alpha male maybe not would have been the best fit for her because
1: there's a lot of wrestlers there sure and that's not really what she, she i'll tell to you she she would have been great if she had worked on a wrestling she has I mean, one take on her entry. The sport. What's that? Rufus Sport. Rufus Sport, TriStar. I mean, and, and, and working with wrestlers would be great. One of the things, that, one of the reasons I say she lost is because she didn't learn to, to change her, her levels with her takedown interest. She always comes high for the high clinch, and now people are disengaging from that. Like, you know, think about this. Ronda Rousey had no success with takedowns against Holly Holm. She dominated takedowns in two fights with Misha Tate, who's a wrestler, by you know, originally a wrestler. Misha Tate, had a great deal of success with takedowns against Holly Holm. Is she a more dominant takedown artist than Ronda Rousey? No, but she is a more diverse one. You know, uh, Misha will go high for a clinch. She'll, you know, she'll she'll work inside and pummel in. She'll shoot low for even like an ankle pick. Sometimes she's a more diverse uh, takedown artist. And and at the end of the day, you you need that, you know. But yeah, there's plenty of options. She got she got hooked up with with uh, Edmonton, you know, a, a while ago, and I guess she had faith in it and. And to her credit, she's very loyal. She's been very sure. defensive of him
0: over the years yeah. and she's stuck with him despite I mean this isn't a new thing. People right. have said this for a long time. And she's stuck by him and defended him uh time and time again. But I mean Travis Brown doesn't necessarily have the most stellar record since going there. Yeah. Um either. Uh, you know, so it's just something it's it's an interesting situation. Which leads kind of to the next thing what do you think she does from here you think we'll see her fight again you think she retires
1: I really don't know because I, I don't know her well at all i, I wouldn't she's she issued that statement Mike, right, saying like she's going to consider what she's going to do that sounds about right I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't yet know what she was going to do right you know maybe she decides that um, if she's so far away from being able to realistically compete for a world title again and she can't she doesn't want to deal with that she's always about being the best. And so she'll retire, uh, and she's taking a lot of damage. These last two losses were, she took a lot of damage because Ronda's a hoss. Like it takes a lot to drop her. Look, in this this last fight was more brutal than maybe than Holly Holmes, and she still didn't like go down. She takes a lot of damage before going down, which means she takes a lot of damage to her brain. So maybe she'll decide she's had enough of it, uh, or maybe she doesn't want to go out on that and she wants to to fight someone more appropriate than Amanda Nunes because that was a that was awful matchmaking by the UFC. Not forward thinking, not long term thinking. And, and pretty pretty callous thing to do. So I don't know. I, I really don't know what she'll do. That being said, if you're Ronda Rousey and the WWE's calling, and they're
0: like, "Hey, come on, yeah, we'll dude. get you on the Brock Lesnar kind of schedule. You compete at some pay per views. You show up to a few televised shows. You know, you're not one of the people who has to show up week and week and week yeah. and travel. You know, you get that extra thing. I think. I mean, it's hard not to take that. She's one, a fan, but right. two, they built they. You know, they'll build her into the back they'll build back that dominant persona that she had before, you know, which is so integral to her. And, you know, she can get that back. Like they could book her in such a way that she's, you know, comes in and just immediately starts crushing everyone. And, you know, it'll be that aura that everybody thinks that she lost that would prevent the WWE from signing Mm -hmm. her would be back instantly. You know, let's, let's just forget when Brock Lesnar left the UFC to go back to the WWE, he didn't exactly do so on a winning streak. Right. Right. So, it's obviously not an issue from that side of things.
1: No, you're very. That's a that's a really good point. And if I'm, I'm you know, every time we talk about this types of option, type of option, I always try to caution, you know, and say, listen, it's not an easy life, pro wrestling. But if you get a good schedule, superstar schedule like that, like you said, a Lesnar schedule, you know, yeah, fine, maybe. But that might be the only real big money option for her at this point. I, I, I've been, I, I've talked with uh, a couple friends of mine who are out west and represented by the types of places that represent Rhonda in hollywood it was their opinion that they can't do anything with her if she's not dominant and so now those movie options might be drying up yeah. um, they already were stalling before because she's not like an actress you know the you know wwe can kind of build that back as well yeah, though. They and sure could. they have their own
0: movie studio they sure could yeah so you know the marine eight could use a co-star
1: <laughs> <There you> <laughs> <go>. <laughs> <laughs> a, 8 star through 12 here. yeah so. no I, no, but I think you're very right I think if she has a, if she gets a good cash you know a good guaranteed cash offer from them and a good schedule that doesn't brutalize your body more then, then at this point that might be the best option for her well
0: we were going to do some countdowns yeah for, well, we haven't even gotten to talk about Cody Garbrandt but maybe we'll save <laughs> that for later in the show um, and uh, as I'm, we're doing this Alan Japan who was on the show last week yeah. Just called out Johnny Hendricks. So there's Oh! That. Um, but anyways, we wanted to do some countdowns from 2016. Uh, two categories. You know, you could do a million categories, knockout, submission, and a million other sure. things. But we just kind of narrowed it down to two categories, fighter of the year and fight of the year. Which one do you want to do first?
1: Uh, I could go for fight
0: of the year. What do you think? Okay, fight of the year. Um, so basically, uh, we each came up with our own list for fight of the year. We um, ranked... Uh, everything from what was the first event UFC two hundred five no 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 one ninety five
1: What was it yeah I think you might be to right.
0: uh, one, dirt to two hundred seven yeah so um, I'm trying to cue up the graphics here sorry
1: and I uh, I hope the graphics don't correlate to my incorrect labeling of Do Ho Choi spoiler alert alert <laughs> no I I definitely you didn't have confused to, uh, him with the Korean zombie which is
0: you didn't have to really out yourself bad. good good but. We appreciate that you did. Yeah, no, uh, I'm
1: definitely, I don't think I'm racist towards Korean folks. So I hope, I hope me confusing him with the Korean zombie who's just, I believe, ended his military service is, is, is able to come back and fight, which is exciting. I didn't mean, uh, didn't mean to do that. So I just got to
0: get the graphic. Um, let's start at number one and, or I'm sorry, at number three at the bottom of the list and then go towards the, uh, let's work towards the top. My list? Um, yes. Cool. If you want to go ahead and do your list.
1: Cool. So I did three because um, I'm lazy. and Mike did five. So here's number three on my uh, my list of 2016 fight of the year is Choi versus Swanson. It happened recently. Uh, it was a phenomenal fight. It was blood and guts, a lot of offense. We saw a lot of technique in there. It was It was pretty brutal. It was one of those fights, Mike, where... I loved it and hated it, right? I appreciated it for what it was. An incredible display of skill and intestinal fortitude and conditioning. And I hated that anyone had to take that much damage as those two men did. But it was, it was, it was a phenomenal fight. It's a legendary type of fight as far as, far as I'm concerned. Okay. Number two, Joanna um, Jane Janecek versus Claudia Gadelha. 2. They first met basically in a number one contenders fight a couple, a couple years ago. They met again um, this past summer. And a headlining contest and a big weekend for the UFC, and it was a great fight. There was ebbs and flows. There was a comeback. It, you know, it, it was really it really kind of typified Joanna Jane Jacek, who pops up again later of uh, a uh, best up 2016 in my list at least. Um, she has been both challenged and had to come from behind, and she's also remained standing as dominant. And that fight, Claudia Gadelha, came out and was. Not only just like outscoring Joanna in the beginning of the fight, but I was like, "Oh, geez, Joanna doesn't have any answers for this. This is gonna just might get a little bit ugly." Claudia was really uh, tuning her up a bit, and Joanna, what did she do? She kept the same pace for five rounds, outlasted her, and, and won and earned the decision. I thought it was a remarkable fight where and both maybe, women did great and maybe took the most damage we've seen her take. Yeah, it very well could have been. Uh, it very 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 well could have. Um, I think it was a cool fight because you know for Joanna fans, she's still the champ. For Cla- Claudia fans, she's certainly as good as Joanna, right? And she's certainly still the number one contender. It was it was a phenomenal one.
0: All right, number one on your
1: list. Number one. So I was at Joanna versus Claudia covering that. I was not at this one, but good gosh, I might have fainted if I had been there in person. I had to see this. But Carlos Condit uh, versus Robbie Lawler. Um, I, that was just about as brutal as it, as it as it gets and that's saying a lot if we're talking about uh, Robbie Lawler fights because most of his fights, win or lose um, the last couple of years have been real real slobber knockers just uh, an incredible war of attrition for both guys um, Robbie this late in his career still able to take that much damage and, and shell out even more super hard to score again neither guy I think should he should have been considered, like, diminished in standing after the fight. Um, yeah, that, that that one was also an all-time great with the stakes that high going five rounds. You know, Cub Swanson and Choi, it was a great fight, went three rounds. This one had a similar, if not higher, pace and rate of violence for five rounds. It's pretty crazy.
0: It's a solid list. Thanks, man. Very solid list. It's a short
1: list, but it was a good one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into mine. Yeah. Uh, for number five, I have Holm Tate. UFC 196 you know Holm was picking Tate apart and then Tate just dug deep to come out with a submission win in the fifth round I mean she doesn't win that fight without Holm going to sleep and Holm like wasn't gonna tap you know that's not maybe the safest thing to do but you can respect the uh, heart there Um, but just absolutely uh, tremendous Um, you know the, the Tate side of it more so just being able to dig deep and come back from to win in this huge monumental moment she always wanted to win the ufc belt she never had a chance as long as you know she fought rousey lost the second time you know she seemed like she was always going to be the gatekeeper and never get that third shot so huge moment for her uh for number four i have bisping henderson too um you know i think it was a close fight a lot of people had scored different ways uh it was entertaining there was that moment where it looked like bisping was going to get an exact same knockout from UFC 100 you know he kind of went for that diving like punch and Bisping was able to roll out of the way and keep the fight alive and it really kept uh, part of my excitement thinking back to this fight was just I think that f- event itself was uh, uh going into it a lot of people thought this was gonna be horrible and it was mm-hmm. actually a really entertaining event it was so um maybe some of the event as a whole's positive feelings uh, are attributed to mm-hmm. this fight looking back uh number three I have Swanson Choi as well was that uh where you had a two, three, or did you have,
1: I, d- let me see. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we yeah. have the same spot there. I mean, it's a recent memory in my fight, yeah. uh, in my mind because it was just, you know, a month or so ago, but I mean, incredible pace. And, um, it makes you think back to like Diego Sanchez, Gilbert Melendez a little bit. It was just, I mean, just incredible to watch yeah. and so entertaining capped off. What also was a really exciting event in UFC 206. Um, number two for me, Condit Lawler, hmm. uh, for all the reasons you said, war of attrition, um, two legends in the sport. Um, that scene where both of them at the end of the fight have their hands up on the top of the fence, uh, just exhausted. They both, you know, that picture cap, you know, almost captures how even the fight was and how both fighters left it out on the line. Uh, any fight with Robbie Lawler is going to, you know, create a lot of punishment and, you know, both fighters... You know, dished it out and yeah. took it. I mean, just a great fight, and it's so crazy. It's so it seems like a lifetime ago. It doesn't even. It's hard to register that that was 2016, and yeah. really just a little over, like a year and a week ago. That's true. Um, so that's number two for me. Uh, number one, I thought about doing Condit Lawler. Number two, or number one, but I did this one ultimately by the fact that it actually ended in a majority draw. Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson, UFC 205. Um, I think a lot of people wrote Tyron Woodley off a lot mm-hmm. of people thought Stephen Thompson was going to Come in and dispose of him in you know stunning Fashion some knockout some Striking and it was just going to be uh, Stunning and Quick you know decisive And give it to Woodley he was able to close the range and Get in Thompson uh, I was saying that right? Woodley was able to get in yeah. to Thompson close the range Get in Thompson's face and uh, You know disrupt him and you Know nearly knocked him out maybe did Finish him and you know after taking all that damage from a guy who, like, could fight at well middleweight, mm-hmm. you know, is much, much bigger, mm-hmm. absorbs all that damage, then comes back to have a big round of his own. Yeah. You know, it's just such a back-and-forth fight. That 10-8 round, ultimately, is kind of what made it a draw. Yeah. So, like, Woodley, the champ, retains because of a dominant round when, I guess, the way it works, right, is the other judges had Woodley three rounds to two, but that one 10-8 that round. right? I forgot. I don't remember how the math yeah. works, but... That the ten rate round was definitely a factor in yeah. it ended up being a draw. Um, so, you know, huge stage, maybe stole the show with
1: you know. Yeah, that was that was that was that was a pretty awesome fight. And you rarely get rewarded with like a hard like a, a, a hard to score, close fight rarely gets rewarded with an actual draw. Right? And I know that's unsatisfying for draws to exist. But this this is this is this is probably what it should have been. I think Thompson won more rounds, but he took more damage. It's how the hell do you decide who wins? And and ultimately they didn't. And both neither man's a loser. Um, I hope I hope both men got paid like winners. But yeah, that was an incredible fight. Yeah, uh,
0: you know, and it, I feel like this fight there this year there was just so many fights that it was almost impossible to try mm-hmm. and pick one that's gonna be, um, you know, the best. It you really could. There's so many fights that could have been yeah. the best one. I feel like. You know, there's fights like you could make it neither one of us had Diaz McGregor too. Right. Right. And that was, know, one of the that was a really there. close fight too. You know, the knock against it from some people might be that it was um McGregor's kind of approach of running hmm. in the second round. Hmm. Uh trying to avoid um you know getting into a striking exchange with Diaz, which is what kind of set up the yeah. attack. Yeah. And, no, um, it was an awesome fight. And yeah, hard to but score I mean still well. it was it was tactful and he had yeah. a game plan and he stuck to it. Um, I just had another fight that was on my mind that, um, now it's slipped away. Oh, uh, and Anderson Silva sure. in London, that yeah. wasn't on there either. Yeah. Uh, top of the year
1: Cruz Garbrandt right. could have been on there. Absolutely. Um, even, even Cruz Dillashaw was a really interesting, Cruz Dillashaw fight, you very, know, like that's a good one too. Yeah.
0: And that's almost hard to remember that, yeah. that was happening this year.
1: No, that's true. There were, uh, there were a ton of them. It was, it was awesome. It was hard to, it's hard to. To choose fighter of the year as well. I don't know if you want to do that now, or if you want to give Jason a call. Um, he might be he might be ready now.
0: Uh, if Jason's ready, we can get him on. We can Otherwise, try it. We can always fill time with fighter of the year. Now, to uh, while you're checking in with uh Jason, I will say that. Let's see where I plug it in. My, right. thank you, sir. My fighter of the year list um is going to correspond with a post going up on Sports Illustrated today. So, uh, we'll. And I'll announce who my Fighter of the Year is, and later, maybe hopefully around the same time, the post will be going live. And you awesome. Can, um, check that out. Read kind of more in depth about my thoughts and uh, why I, you know, awarded it the way that I did. Treat um, for the and by the way, feel the free to comment in, uh, you know, the comments below and let us know who your Fighter of the Year and who your Fight of the Year was. We want to hear um, what you guys had to think uh, as the fans. Um about the sport
1: we just got a uh, an email too from one of our listeners. If we have time later, we'll have to, we'll have to get to that throw that in i'm gonna do you want me to try to reach Jason now? Sure, all right, we're gonna give coach Jason Perillo a call Let's see if this works and if he's around.
0: Uh, looking I don't know in the if comments. Is it
1: up already, Joe? Oh. Yes. Jason, can you hear us?
2: Yep. There you
1: are. Hey, coach. Hello. Sorry about that. Hey, it's Elias. I'm here with uh, my co-host Mike Dice. Hey, how are you?
2: Mike Dice. How are you doing, Mikey? I'm
1: <laughs> Doing well.
0: How are you?
2: Oh, I'm good. I just leave the gym. I had a bunch of people just beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I like to
1: start my Wednesday, <laughs> Coach. You're you're a busy man. You've got um, a bunch of your fighters very, very uh, involved in a lot of different stuff. I wanted to get your take before we get jumped into to some of their fights and their situations. I wanted to get your take on Ronda Rousey, her coaching and her and her striking. Um, back in over a year ago, you and I did some work, and you, you know you talked about. With, with Chris Cyborg, you guys broke down how Ronda tries to get into the clinch because, of course, she's a, she's a grappler, even though she had a couple striking knockouts. Now people are coming out of the root, woodwork. Um, Kenny Florian had some some good comments. Dean Thomas, who's a coach of Amanda Nunes, has said stuff. Matt Sarah, basically saying, hey, Edmund's a nice guy, but he's not a high-level MMA coach. I, I just wrote a little piece, uh, Coach, talking about four things that Ronda did and didn't do that really – Hurt her in the fight, but basically she seemed like the same fighter she was uh, a, a year prior. She wasn't moving her head. Um, she she doesn't seem. I, I, people are saying you know she didn't look like she sparred much. What's your impression of her skills and her development um, specifically in striking? I know she's someone you you all have paid close attention to because she's had such a, a rivalry with with Chris Cyborg, who you've coached for years.
2: Right. Well, you know, I mean, there definitely wasn't a whole lot of sparring. Go- I mean, I guess they said there was some sparring going on. Um, you know, I've got a lot of different takes on it. And if you know me, I'm not big to badmouth other coaches and other people, really, for the most part. Sure. Because you know, the fighter makes a decision. And, you know, when you're being called <clears throat> one of the greatest fighters of all time, that type of thing, you know you you probably either you yourself think that your opinion about what you're doing is going to be run on point because you're you know this great phenom or whatever but um you know i always being a coach being blamed for fights before in the past when i've known that it, it, it definitely wasn't my my doings um in this case it's a little different because edmund is is, is a very hands-on guy and he makes a note to let everybody know, you know, he's a, he's a head honcho there in that situation. So, but, you know, I can't point my finger at, at Edmund. I can't point my finger. I mean, it should, to me, it looks to me like, um, you always you, you got to point your finger at Rhonda a little bit too. You know, uh, you know, she made choices. I, you know, for some reason, she was avoiding the media and all this, obviously she was a little heady. Um, and it showed in the fight, you know, she looked like she actually regressed as opposed to gotten better. Um, I don't, think, I don't look at uh, uh, Amanda Nunes, Amanda, did I say that right, Amanda Nunes, I don't look at her like the world beater that she is, I mean, she doesn't overly impress me, I, I think Holly Holmes is actually even sharper than than Amanda, um, you know, with that being said, to me she looks like she, she regressed, if anything. You know, and that probably is even more of a mental and emotional thing. You know, obviously, mentally and emotionally, she wasn't there because, you know, when you're there and, and the competence is there where you want it to, you know, you'll, you'll, you 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 got to take on those extracurricular things and you got to do the media and whatever. You know, you, you can't be scared of people, man. You're scared of people. You're scared of yourself. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're scared of the situation you're getting yourself into. And, and if that's the case, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board. To me, she should have started off with a lesser opponent. She was knocked out uh, pretty pretty clean by Holly Holmes. Um, everybody knows that, that she was having, a, you know, problems mentally with it. You know, she went on talk shows talking about how she mentally had problems with it. You know, with that being said, you know, whoever manages her or her coach whoever's involved of helping her make her matches you know probably should have thought about you know what we got we we got plenty of longevity in this girl she wants to continue to fight you know maybe we should uh you know Maybe we should uh, get our bearings back. You know, maybe we should get it in boxing. We should call it tune-up fights. But, you know, maybe we should get her a little bit of a tune-up fight before we put her right in there in the, in the firing line for uh, the world title. You know, so, you know, she she had a lot of questions that she wanted to get answered for herself. And uh, in 48 seconds, she really didn't get any answers. She just found out that, uh, that you know, she wasn't ready for the situation anymore. Or, you know, will she be ready right in the future? Who knows? But, you know this situation she was definitely not ready for
1: coach it it, it fights like the uh, ronda's fight against holly Holm and, and amanda nunes it, did did they show a little bit of why you guys were so confident um that chris cyborg would would do so well against ronda all these years
2: oh my god yeah i mean i but i know like in it, 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 this is all we look at our whole lives. All I look at my whole fucking life. That's all I do. I, it, it, I neglect my family looking at this shit, and it's, it's you know I, you know, and, and I neglect life looking at people in the way they fight. You know, and, and standing up on her feet. I mean, if we think about it, this, is the only second girl that she's fought with that can stand up on her feet. The first girl that can stand up and fight a little bit, you know, she, you know, took her title. You know, the second girl that could stand up and fight a little bit exposed her. You know. Um, it bu- it bums me out. I feel bad for Ronda Rousey. I w- I was cheering for Ronda Rousey for that fight. I wanted Chris to get that limelight. Of course, of course, that's what I preferred to see happen. You know, um, but uh, you know, I-, I I feel bad for her because she's been mi- misdirected in-, in in a few situations, and uh, because of the-, the high profile that she is, you know, she has to you know suffer this defeat in, in a bigger way than that- than some people do. You know
0: is this this cyborg Rousey fights kind of like mma's mayweather pacquiao is the this fight now just kind of the final nail in the coffin of cyborg Rousey never happening
2: i think so you know i i think uh i mean i think so i mean these girls are both so young i mean chris is 30 31 years old i don't see her any going anywhere for the next you know half four or five years i mean a lot can happen over four or five years. If, if, if Ronnie's, on it, R- Ronda, Ronnie, if is, Ronda, Ronda is Ronda, is she's a hungry fighter and still wants to prove to be the athlete, the competitor that she is. You know, she's got plenty of time to come back and, 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 and improve that. You know, but it's hard to think that you know, they're saying that she was already at 135 a week before the fight. Hmm. So it's just hard to see them ever really match. They couldn't get it together. They couldn't get together before this fight happened. I mean, this just set it back a whole, a whole lifetime. You know, Uh, for me, I prefer to see. I like to see Chris train at a be the title holder at 145. I like to see Ronda do well at 135. Um, They're definitely. I mean, they could train together now. You know, Chris could help uh, Ronda improve. Hmm. You know. I wouldn't mind see Ronda come down and work with Chris a little bit, you know. See, see, you know, if that was something that she, you know, it, it, that that fight's over. If you ask me, that fight's over. That fight was just at the skin. Of that 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 fight was holding on by a string, as it was, barely holding on. Because if you ask me, Ronda was never going to agree to that fight. In in all reality, even if she blew this Amanda Nunes away, I don't see her still going. I mean, maybe it would have gave her confidence to take on Chris, but really. Really no, because it's not as big as Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather. It's not because Floyd Mayweather, and Manny Pacquiao. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars a piece. You know, we're talking about you know, you know, a girl that's just been knocked out twice. You know, and and you know, Chris, who's undefeated, she's dominating her division, and. uh the hype for that, I think, is starting to tilt away. I think I think there'll be a bigger hype for Amanda News against Chris Cyborg. I see that being a bigger hype fight. At this point. Yeah.
1: You, you've been talking about um, Chris Cyborg a bit. I gotta ask you, she's going oh, through. I'm you. Yeah, can you hear me any better, she, Coach? You there?
2: I, I I'm yeah, okay. There you go. Cool. You can hear us okay. okay? I, I, I completely... Yeah, now I can. You completely cut out for a second. Sorry
1: about that. Yeah, let me know. Um so Chris Cyborg, how got <laughs> heck of a 1-2 punch recently, Jason. The UFC went ahead with a so-called championship fight at featherweight without her. And then Usada, um the UFC hired Usada, um said you know has these uh, assertion that that Chris uh is in violation of the drug their, their, you know, their drug, uh, the drug usage um, rules. What what has been, what's been the reaction? Uh, you guys there on the team. It's been a turbulent time.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of heartbreak about it because, you know, there's so many, you know, skeptics out there and, you know, it sucks, you know, because obviously obviously was, she wasn't, she wasn't, didn't test positive for performance enhancing drug you know then by no means was that was that you know what she got busted for so I got an t- attorney called me to the line I'm gonna have to answer that a little bit later hmm. I did a long conversation <laughs> but um
0: hopefully not for anything you just no, said but yeah. <laughs> you,
2: you, you, you know uh, it's heartbreaking you know I wanted to I, she, I, it, that was her title to make history and be the first uh, woman 145 pound a champion, and I'm bummed that fight didn't go through. Now this thing that's going on with this other, it, you know, it, it sucks because you know she has to go out. She has to go. She has to, you know, go meet up with her dog. She has to prove, you know, innocence where there's really no guilt. Hmm. You know, so it, it it makes it a, it's just tough. It's heartbreaking because you know we've all been working on this. Me, her manager George, you know, and you know her whole team, you know, really been working on exactly this getting into the UFC making the creating the 145 pound division being the 145 pound champ being the greatest woman champion the greatest woman fighter of all times you know that has been an ongoing goal for years now it's not just something that now that she's gotten the UFC you know we got a little you know oh we're in the limelight now and, and and there's been a little bit of work leading up to that point I mean, we're talking years. I mean, Chris used to come, sleep in her car in the parking lot of the gym. we train, you know, we, you know, battle against fights for years. She one, one, one fight, she had eight opponents pull out on right? her. People pull out on her all the time. You know, it was years of this stuff, you know, flying out to Kansas City, fighting in Kansas City, you know, they, you know telling people, hey, I trained this girl, Chris Cyborg. She's the baddest woman on the planet. She beat Ronda Rousey. She beat this girl. She beat that girl. Who's that? You know, we've been for years. We've been campaigning for Chris to get in this limelight. You know, and now we're here in the situation. And you know, you know the train just the train didn't come off the track. The train just took a little bit of a derail. And you know, if you ask me, there's plenty of time. You know, people sometimes live too much in the now. Mm. There is a future. Um, Chris is going to be fine. She's she's going through all the steps to handle her situation she's in right now. And uh, to me, this is going to be you know no water in the rug and it's going to be swept aside because there's nothing serious in the situation the only thing that's serious in the situation is time's got held back a little bit from what we've been working on all these years
1: well and the relationship seems to i mean honestly like the the relationship seems kind of like serious like between her and dana white like you know i was going to ask you next like do you find it strange that um dana white Right after the USADA like, alert came out, I don't know what to call that stuff, uh, the, the, the notification that she may have been violation of the rules, he, he went on the record in an interview and said, oh, I don't know if Chris will ever fight in the UFC again. And then for other fighters, he's and the UFC are always careful to say, hey, there's a process, we'll see how the process plays out. That type of stuff, that eagerness for him to say something like that about her, combined with the negative... Uh, Sometimes misogynistic things he said about her. I know Chris on the record has told, um, you know, me in interviews, and I've been at the gym. Like, yeah, it's a strange thing when, when your when your boss, who your promoter, who's supposed to be promoting you to the world, denigrates you, right, and insults you. Were you were you shocked by Dana White coming out and saying something like that? Or are you guys not shocked by him, kind of throwing under the bus? Well,
2: you know, well, two, three days has always seemed to be an emotional, you know, space. Speaks, you know, straight from his heart, I guess, or shoots from the sleeve, or a tip, or whatever the fuck you want to say. You know, it, 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 it's not a, it's not a shock to me. No, by no means it's a shock to me. I, you know, I've had other fighters before that, uh, you know, that he didn't have a good relationship with, and you know, had good relationships with some of them, and bad relationships with them. You know, unfortunately, we all got personalities, and, and sometimes, you know, we're all going to rub each other the, the wrong way, especially when we're working each other, making money off of each other, you know, so, you know, I, I don't know what that, I think that, that, I think that conflict, if there's any conflict between the two, I think that's died down tremendously over the last year, but I feel like it could, it, it would be, it could be killed, but with you saying that, I didn't hear everything, Dana, and, and, and I, I know you know me, less, and I, 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 you know how I am, I, I, I try not to, to read and listen to every piece of Sure. Everybody's opinion, so sure. many fucking opinions. Obviously, you want to hear Dana White's opinion because he's a head head honcho, you know, so you want to hear what he has to say. And uh, I, I, I and, and, and Dana probably was a little frustrated with Chris because I, I think his, his goal was to make that division, you know. And I think he knows that he has a star in that division, you know, and it is probably frustrating a little bit. But to be vindictive and say she's never going to fight again, you know, that's not that's not the right way to go about it. And, and, and that to me sounds like an emotional, something emotional coming out of his mouth as opposed to, to a fact, you know, and, and, and we've heard him change his mind, you know, many years ago he said there would never be a woman's division ever. And you got right, you know, now the woman's division's making a hell of a lot of noise, you know, over the last three or four years. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think, uh, I think some people, bosses and, and employers that and, and, and whoever you know, I think sometimes they, they you know they press a, they, they press on you a little bit hard and let you know how how mm-hmm. upset they were by decisions that you have made. Also, at the same time, and I'm not saying it's the right way to go about it. It's just unfortunately you got to learn to, you know, with the UFC you got to play a little ball sometimes, you know. And you know, I got fighters that that that, that bump, bump heads with them, and and I got fighters that that play ball all day, you know, and and. Which one's right and which one's wrong? They're all right and they're all wrong. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you you play ball too much and now you're cheating yourself. You know, and, and you bump heads too much and now you're cheating yourself. You know, so it's like you you got, you, you got to over, experience the wonderful thing in the fight game because over the course of time you learn, you know, burning bridges in the fight game isn't a smart thing to do, all right, because it's a subculture, It's a small world. No matter how big you think it is, it's little. All right? You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, through, through experience over the course of time, you know, y- you learn when to play ball and when not to play ball, you know, and, and, uh, and um, you know, when you start bumping heads with the president, of the, I'm not saying that's what she's doing, but, you know, that you see it with him, you, you see him emotionally react different to different fighters, you know, whether it's a Conor McGregor or a Rondo or a Chris Cyborg or, you know, somebody that, you know, He's, he, he's, you know, they have rubbed each other the wrong way a little bit, you know. He, he, he speaks the way he speaks, you know. We can't really sit there and wrap our lives around that, you know. If Chris is going to sit there and wrap her life or in her training, in her future around what Dana White says, we're fucked anyways. Now, aren't we? You know what I mean? Because that's not the way we got to think here, you know. I who gives a shit what anybody's fucking saying. The truth of the matter is, actions speak louder than words. Now, doesn't it? Especially in the fight mm-hmm. game, I I hear fighters. Run their fucking mouths every day of my life. I'm not being negative. What I'm saying, they're all my my fighters. Run. Not a bad (laughs) thing. You need to run your mouth. You need to. That's what you do. Sometimes you run your mouth. You're going to put it into action. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, but you know, you know, actually, speak a lot of words. We can we can sit there and bitch and complain about what Dana's saying. We can bitch and complain that we we are fighting that we're not fighting. We're fighting. It doesn't matter at some point, we're going to get back in that firing line, and she's going to perform the way she's always performed, and it's going to be at a high fucking magnitude, it's going to be a brilliant performance, and she's going to slaughter somebody, you know, and that, and that action right there will put us back to where we need to be, you know, because she just had, had that stellar performance, and now we're, you know, she's been she's knocked out four of the five girls in the first round of the last fight in the second girl or the one other girl she knocked out in the second round. So last five fights she hasn't been past five minutes, you know, five minutes and thirty seconds or whatever it is. Mm. You know, that's the way that girl fights. You know, that day and that speaks volumes, you know, and, and that that would be spoken again. Right now She's going to get a little backlash from the company. You know, what she needs to do is stay true to herself, stay doing what she's been doing for the last five years leading up to this point. You know, being honest, staying true to herself, plugging away, training her ass off, and continuing to want to be one of the best in the world. Coach, cool. you know?
1: that's an awesome answer. Before we let you go, we have got to ask you, last one, I'll throw three into one. Do the best you can here. Michael Bisping and Tyron Woodley seem to make their own super fight this past weekend, <laughs> so I'm curious what you think about that possible fight, a uh, catchweight fight. We want to know how BJ Penn's looking to you as he's 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 returning uh, to the ring, and what uh, what do you think Tito is going to be able to do to Chael Sonnen in their fight?
2: Um, well, that is the easiest. Uh, let's see. Let's, go, let's see if I can run it like Bisping. Yeah, the Woodley fight. Yeah, that that's. That's all fun. I, I mean, yeah. Hey, great fight. Mike's fine with smaller guys. You know what I mean? in <laughs> uh, Mike's speed. Mike. Mike's speed can man, I know Woodley's fast as hell. Mike's speed can match up with a with a 170 pounder. There's no doubt in my mind. I've always talked about Mike's speed. Um, that fight. That, that fight to me is pointless. I haven't even discussed it with Mike. To be totally honest, because I don't know how serious it is. But it's really a pointless fight. It, it, it is, it, to me, it's a, a pointless fight. I mean, all together, it's a pointless fight. But <laughs> we could go
1: on to go on to BJ man. then. What, what? How's BJ looking? I know you you spent a bunch of time with him. I, as a BJ Penn fan, I'm kind of worried at his age fighting someone like Yair Rodriguez. Why should BJ fans uh, be be okay with this fight? What have you seen that looks promising well, to you? Well,
2: you know, well, you got to know this. Whoever, whoever, uh, whoever BJ, you know. Be, they're not going to put B.J. in there with any slouch. We all know that. Um, uh, BJ, B.J. left right before the holidays. Uh, his goal was to go out to Christmas and go back, go out to Albuquerque and then come back out here and then go. He's, he, he's, he's talking about doing a lot of flying, but that's besides the point. Um, Yari Yari's a very beatable fighter. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete, tremendous fast. He's got all the fucking flash. He's got all the glitz and all the glamour. But at the end of the day, you know, He's he's not a, he hasn't been the big punch or the big kicker I think he's got maybe one or two TKOs I think experience wise you know he's going to be in there with a guy that I don't think he knows what he's preparing for you know he's preparing for maybe the guy that he saw fall fight Frank or Ed, Edgar last but uh, I think uh, BJ's a different guy than he was even though three years you could regress even more than you did three years ago but sure. I, I I think he's I think he's made up some uh, some gains and and remembered who the fuck he is. And I think he's going to go out there and give this kid a shock.
1: Love it. And Tito, what, what are you expecting from Tito, uh, against Chael Sonnen?
2: Tito's going to, if Tito fights away, Tito fights away that he's been, he he's, Tito's in tremendous shape. He's been training for three months now. And, uh, he's in, he's in maybe the best shape I've ever seen him, even at 41 years old. I see him really eating up Chael Sonnen. I really do see him eating Chael Sonnen up. That's the goal. You know, the, Fights go the way they do, but but I don't see how chill. Chill's going to have a very long night in front of him. Awesome. You're gonna see. The, I'll tell you this. You're going to see the Huntington Beach bad boy on January, January 21st. I know that much.
1: <laughs> well, Coach Jason Perillo, thanks so much for being on the Extra Rounds podcast yeah. with me and Mike. Always appreciate your insight, man. Thank you.
2: Yep. bye always appreciate being on there, man. You know me. I love talking about my guys. <laughs>
1: You're the best. Thanks, Jason. Take care and best of luck with everyone.
2: All right. Take it easy, guys. Have a good day. You
1: too. Bye-bye. The great Jason
0: Perillo taking time out to talk to us. Uh, he's got so many huge <laughs> fighters. We didn't even it's get crazy. to ask him about um, really a lot about Bisping, who's been named uh, I know fighter of the year by multiple outlets. We could talk
1: to him for two hours with all the people he coaches, yeah. man. Like it's, it's, and we got another repeat. He's a repeat guest, right? right? We're heading back. <laughs> we,
0: we you know, we're having regulars now. Yeah? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the side work stuff is just so interesting. There's so much more that like you, I can, we can talk to him for 20 minutes, just about that one topic, but you know, there's just so much going on in his world that uh, we want to get to. Um, totally. So we'll just have to keep having him on. So <laughs> I'm with that. it's a good segue, though, because a lot of people have Michael Bisping. I think Rolling Stone and Mike Bond were the first to uh, announce their fighter of the year. They did it before Christmas. even. Mike
1: Bond for Rolling Stone?
0: Yeah. Oh, OK. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And yeah. he named Michael Bisping fighter of the year. Some other outlets have named Michael Bisping fighter of the year as well. Um, it's an amazing story. It might be story of the year. So in this edition of Extra Rounds Power Rankings, let's talk about... Our fighters of the year. Yeah, man. So we each compiled a list. Uh, you have a list <laughs> for uh, of your three. Did you Power did three. you issue any awards for
1: like one of the eighteen outlets you write for? <laughs> I I uh, I we did we did collectively over at Champions where I write and edit for uh, we've got a collective list coming out of several, like a bunch of categories the whole staff. Yeah. Like them. all staff wide things. So I contributed to that. I don't know when it's coming out actually, but yeah, that I'm not doing a column for mixed martial com on that. Um, so yeah, just this, that, the champions one, I don't know when it comes out. I'll tell people, look okay. for it. Well, let's see if the champions, uh, the rest of the champion staff <laughs> agrees with her. let's with see. Let's see. Yeah. So, uh, fighter of the year, 2016. Are we starting with number three? Yep. All right. Cause I got a short list again. Uh, Number three on my list: Cody Garbrandt. Uh, Gar- Garbrandt. I just made his name sound more pr- uh, pretentious. Cody Garbrandt, uh, the team Afro the new bantamweight world. wrong. he a uh, new bantamweight world champion. You know, he just beat and and like really solidly, convincingly beat the best bantamweight in history, in Dominic Cruz. But in addition to that, he's fought and won a total of four times. I think this is the only fight of his this year, Mike, that went to decision. He beat top contenders. Um, a top contender like Thomas Almeida, he beat a, a perennial uh, elite world title contender in uh, Takeya Mizugaki. Um, he, he's looked phenomenal. He's had a great year. Like he said in the post UFC two hundred seven presser, he went from unranked to world champion inside one calendar year. Very impressive. Wouldn't be mad if someone would have listed him number one. He's at number three for me. Number two, um, she's making her second appearance on uh, my list here. At the power rankings this week on ER. That's Joanna Janczyk. I think she only fought twice this year, but listen. The champ is still dominant at the top of an increasingly competitive division. She was tested, she met those challenges, um, and, and she's phenomenal. She her star is rising, um, and, and she's one of the best martial artists, mixed martial artists in the world, pound for pound. Jason Perillo over a year ago, told me that she's got the best hands uh, that he's seen. I'm sure outside of his own fighters, right? Guys like guys like BJ, guys like Chris. He's got she's got the best hands in MMA, man or woman. And she's awesome.
0: Alongside Demetrius Johnson,
1: the only champion in the UFC who has more than one title defense look at that look at that that's just yeah in in a time when there's so much turnover to hold on to your title for any length of time is very very impressive she's continuing to do it uh and she probably shouldn't even be fighting it this way she should probably go up soon if they create 125 so she's number two number one i'm gonna go ahead and give it to another amazing female fighter another amazing fighter that happens to be female i should say amanda Nunes. amanda Nunes beat the two best probably Two best, at least two most accomplished bantamweights in history in one year. Misha Tate. Back-to-back fights. In back-to-back fights. And really beat them badly. And really fast. Maybe retired them both. Yeah, very very good point. Misha Tate at UFC 200. Misha Tate is a two-time world champion of bantamweight. Only woman to ever have done that. A strike force in the UFC. Both of them uh, linear title reigns. And then Ronda Rousey came back, and, and she, and as we've discussed a lot, beat Ronda Rousey. Uh, amazing fighter. She also has a close win over Valentina Shevchenko, who's a top contender. We'll see if she gets another chance at, uh, at her. She's um, fighting Juliana Pena yeah. this month, and that very it's, well could be the number one contender. It route. should be. It really That's an awesome fight. You guys got to watch that. Um, but, yeah, Amanda Nunes, for me, tops the list. She's headlined two cards this year. And won them both in impressive fashion. And maybe two of the biggest cards ever. 207 and 200, maybe the biggest cards ever. Definitely know. two of the three biggest this right? year. Right, it's got to be. So, other than, other than the Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz fights. Um, and USC 205. Yeah, well, any, any fight that Conor McGregor's been in and, and Nate Diaz, you know, as well. Um, so, including 205. You know, she's headlined big, big cards. And she's looked like a world beater because she is. She's number one for me. All right. it's a solid list. Thank you, sir. We'll see how it matches up to mine. I, f-
0: <laughs> I went five deep. So number five, I have Michael Bisping, uh, beat Anderson Silva and Dan Henderson, both legends, uh, won the belt on two weeks notice against Luke Rockhold. Um, great story. Um, I haven't lowered down the list personally, just because the Silva and Henderson fights were both a little controversial and not so decisive, uh, decisive, but yeah. you know, three and Oh, won the title, defended the title and knocked off two all time greats in the process. Um, Number four for me, Stipe Miocic. Three wins this year, all first-round knockouts. Um, Knocked out Andrei Orlovsky in under a minute, who was like a – that was a top contender bout right there. Then got the fight against Fabrizio Verdum at UFC 198 in Brazil. Beat a Brazilian in Brazil to win the belt, simultaneously breaking Cleveland's sports title drought, which he doesn't get enough credit for. (laughs) And – um, then defends back in front of his hometown. Is fighting a you know dynamic striker and Alistair Overeem. Is nearly submitted, escapes, then knocks him out. Amazing. All in the first round. That was a crazy round to win um, in front of Cleveland and the place goes nuts. Uh, you know I partied there all week. It was uh, spectacular. So, um, but that was just another huge chapter in Cleveland sports this year. But uh, you know three first round knockouts, two of which are title fights. Winning the title against the Brazilian in Brazil. Um, In a soccer stadium, too. (laughs) Very true. Um, While they're screaming, you're going to die. Huge, huge, huge year. Um, For me, number three is Amanda Nunes. Uh, You know, this year was really tough, and I really struggled with the top four people on my list and how to rank them. And uh, I have Amanda Nunes at three, though she very easily could be two or one. She, uh, as you said, knocked off Tate, knocked off Rousey, two Titans icons of women's MMA not even just the division of women's MMA yeah. in general, um, in back-to-back fights to win the title, first openly gay champion, um, you know, it's thrust into the spotlight of UFC 200. Suddenly the main event uh, against the, the champion and a legend in Misha Tate, um, you know, all so much attention. There's already pressure in that fight. And then all of a sudden this unexpected amount of attention and she just <laughs> weathers it all. Um, you know, the microscope for the UFC 207, You know, you could say it wasn't that high because of the way Rousey handled the media and stuff. But, you know, you have to feel a lot of pressure when you're fighting Ronda Rousey, regardless of whether people are asking you repeatedly about it. (laughs) True. Um, You know, just a huge, huge year, like huge star in the making. Um, And the first UFC fighter besides Ronda Rousey Mm -hmm. to successfully defend the women's bantamweight title. Uh, Oh, look at that. Fun fact. Not really a fact, but... Well, I mean, it is a fact. fact. No, you didn't make it Maybe fun is the word (laughs) that... I had fun. So, number two for me, Cody Garbrandt. He, uh, you know, 4-0 in 2016. Three first-round knockouts. uh, From unranked to world champion inside of a year. Don't forget he beat Thomas Almeida, who's 21-0. Yeah. Um, I didn't pick Cody to win that fight. No. Thomas
1: is a killer. He, you know, he...
0: Just, you know, an incredible story... Another Ohio person like Stipe. Um so just a just a tremendous story. And the, then in the title fight at the end of the year, I mean, it's one thing to go from unranked to world champion, but then you're fighting a guy who's never lost in the weight class, <laughs> Right. who's arguably the best pound for pound fighter in the world. And the people who think somebody else is the pound best pound for pound fighter, he beat that guy. <laughs> so um, just huge odds, and he did it so decisively. Like some of the scorecards, I think had it like three rounds to two, but it's just like he controlled that match like yeah. never you know at a certain point after the first couple rounds you're like this is crew you're you're watching now to see Cruz come back and the dancing and this and that and oh, then it'll up that might a lot of have rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because it could be viewed as cocky and arrogant but then he brings everything back at the end with uh, Maddox and handing him the belt and right. it's like that humility that he was born with and then you know people don't see a lot of people don't watch the press uh, post fight press conferences outside of the media and some really hardcore fans who are still up at three o'clock in the morning but you know the, he's just so emotional and it's just, just an mm. incredible year and he's really a genuinely good person seems as like well seems like it um, from conversations i've had with him so but there's not many fighters who have fought four times in a year there's fewer who have won yeah. four in a year and then there's fewer who did so going on rank to a world champion yeah uh, i guess that's quality so yeah. that's that's pretty amazing uh, donald Cerrone, another guy who went four yeah, in yeah i mean
1: a year. i that would be like i was i was thinking of Cerrone. He the only thing is he didn't end it with like winning a twirl title, so this and might be the most impressive. That's kind of what pushes win. them off
0: yeah. this list, you know. Yeah. Like you think of like people like Nunes and Miocic and Bisping, like that title, that one
1: thing. Yeah, he right. very
0: well could be fighter of the year, but that one thing yeah. is like,
1: he might ultimate. get there in seventeen because he's looking like a beast at, at, at lightweight I mean, at welterweight is kind of crazy. And I'm prepared for all the hate on social media to come
0: for this next one, but <laughs> my number one, my fighter of the year 2016, Conor McGregor. So. The argument against Conor McGregor is that he lost to Nate Diaz. Okay. But I don't think that's necessarily a huge issue, which is kind of hypocritical <laughs> considering what I just said about Donald Cerrone. <laughs> but um, he lost the fight. Uh, yeah, he came back. He won. It was an incredible fight. Um, he created history at UFC 205 by becoming the first. Person to hold two UFC belts simultaneously, and only the third person to win a belt at a second weight class. Mm. Um, so that, and it, it was on the biggest stage, the first Madison Square Garden event. Yeah. You know, such a historic moment. It was, uh, you know, so much history, and it's gonna. When you, we think back to 2016, like that's really what we're gonna think about. Yeah. Um, so that's a factor. The other factor is, and there's a guy from Bloody Elbow, Ian Kidd, who I don't know if I said his first name right. i
1: not. I don't know.
0: But anyways, he wrote a great. Great story breaking down after UFC 205, breaking down the records. And Conor McGregor did more in pay-per-view buys this year than the entire UFC did in 2014 between three pay-per-view events. Um, All three of which, we don't get exact numbers, but all are believed to have either been around or beat the UFC 100 record. Um, Dana White said, of course, UFC 205 broke every record. And people believe UFC 202 broke um, the UFC 100 record. And then, you know, if you look at some of the stuff that Dave Meltzer does, I think he has UFC 100 and UFC 196 at the same 1.6 million buys. Yeah, But, like, those three fights combined did more than the UFC did as a company in 2014. Right. Now, in his article on Bloody Elbow, you can go down and break down that he, um, if you look at the UFC's best year, which is 2010, uh, that was the height of Brock Lesnar. That was the height of Georgia St. Pierre. Uh, he did more pay-per-view buys in 2016. I, well, I, that might be wrong. It's in a 12-month period mm. going back to 194 okay. in December of 2005 through two thousand. So, let uh, say 13 months. Yeah. Huh. Well, it's not even it's, – it's, well, it's literally 12 months. You're right. It, it is 12 totally. Yeah, yeah. November. It's not the calendar year. So, right. in that 12-month period, he did more buys than Lesnar and GSP did combined – during 2010, wow. which was the UFC's best year for pay per view buys. Probably
1: more than Anderson if you're going to count Anderson, too. In that yeah, year. and he yeah. breaks,
0: he goes down and he breaks in the article on, on Bloody Elbow, he breaks down how um, they you know, the big draws in the sport and what they average per pay per view mm-hmm. event. He does it for Lesnar, GSP, Anderson Silva, and he even does it for Ronda Rousey. And one of the points he makes is that Ronda Rousey, uh, her best pay per view reportedly did around 1.1 million pay per view buys and Conor McGregor averages averages 1.3 million yeah. pay-per-view buys. It's pretty crazy. Like the, and how much – I don't remember the numbers of, like, how much Silva, GSP, and Brock Lesnar average. Nobody else averages over a million. And mm. McGregor, he's just such a huge draw. Well, now
1: Nate Diaz does. Well, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, but –
0: I mean, he's only – he actually – He's only headlined the two pay per views, exactly. so he would technically average more yeah. than McGregor did. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> that's UFC true. 189s. Anyone better. has done more that's than a, two. That's actually really interesting. Anyone's I didn't even think about that. Yeah, but
1: anyone's done more than two, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But Nate should
0: know that because that's some, you know, you that's a needle. I bet that's he, a way to go McGregor he, into that third. Yeah, he, not that McGregor needs goading. He wants yeah, it. But, I bet he does. Yeah. Um, you know, so those things you have to take into account, like the impact he had on the sport, the amount of fans he comes in. You know, he is unequivocally the face of MMA. Like, if 2005, he established himself as the star mm. in the UFC. 2016, he transcended the sport, mm. and in spite of that loss. yeah. And part of it is that he but handled it the lot. right way. Yeah. He went to the press conference. He sat on the dais right next to – well, on the other side of the podium as mm-hmm. Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz talked about beating him and did so quietly, you know, ate his humble pie. He refocused and whatnot. There's some other things that happened over the year, the water bottle incident and whatnot. And, so you know, those good. things could – want deter you from naming him that but like the thing what he accomplished on the sport he brought in all these new fans he transcended the sport i mean they're talking about it on all sorts of outlets that they would never talk about before you turn on undisputed and you got to listen to shannon sharps you know horribly informed opinions on mma and you know i think to a lot of people it's gotten to the point where you know he when you think of mma you think of him like they're almost becoming synonymous yeah. um, much in the way that you know you used to be able to go into starbucks and say do you know Um, Anderson Silva you probably a lot of people would say no if they weren't MMA fans but if you said Ronda Rousey like you know who Ronda Rousey is I mean he's on Conan he's doing coolest Gamer he's got a role in Game of Thrones he turned down uh, a role in a Triple X movie which I think Michael Bisping ended up Uh, doing Um, you know he's got this other short series that was announced today with John Lovitz like
1: yeah right you know he's
0: transcended the sport he was on Esquire GQ one of those two I don't remember which one
1: Um, He's he's done stuff with both yeah, but the Esquire article. He said it was the cover story. I there's think. one that he
0: was the cover and like there's a lot of pictures from a, but, I don't but I don't remember. Mean, but a article, but a great he's, cover. He's he's transcended the sport really has. in a way and the uh, and on top of that, every fighter in three weight classes at the <laughs> very minimum almost had to ask to answer a question about Conor McGregor <laughs> right, constantly. Right. Like everything in MMA revolved around Conor McGregor yeah. in 2016. He um, you other fighters were talking about him constantly. Think back to that you know, uh, when Cerrone fought DeSantis for the lightweight mm-hmm. title in December 2015. Three fighters called him out that night. Right. Three fighters. Right. He says something about the WWE, and the entire WWE <laughs> roster responds. You know he um, fighters want to fight him. You yeah. know you win a belt, and that's who you call out. Cody Garbrandt wins the belt. He calls out yeah. uh, Conor McGregor. Um, Eddie Alvarez wins the belt. He wants to fight Conor McGregor. Tyron Woodley would fight Conor McGregor. Didn't call him out, really, but would, um, though it's probably horribly ill-advised. And, you know, everybody, it's all about Conor. That's very true. And
1: it's hard to say otherwise. For that
0: reason, I weighted impact on the sport um, more so than maybe strictly in-ring accomplishments. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who had in-ring, in-ring accomplishments that were huge, um, and there was some, you know, then when you factor in the out-of-the-ring accomplishments outside of somebody like maybe Stipe with Cleveland or Amanda Nunes, um, you know, they also had outside-of-the-ring sure, really big sure, impacts. Sure. But, I mean, nothing. No, um, you make a good argument, man. Like anyone, listen. But any, I can, you can make a really good argument to for any one of those people. Yeah, maybe, no, anyone. it was
1: it was amazing. I think, uh, I'll tell you this. If anyone wants to give uh, Mike or anyone else who ranks Conor McGregor number one, flack you better go after the people i gave michael Bisming number one way more flack because and listen the fight against anderson silver where he got knocked out cold uh but one decision was close the, the fight he he got the judges does not from uh over dan henderson was a horrible decision so listen like everyone you know being perfect in the ring uh it shouldn't be the prerequisite uh making history in the ring impacting the sport it's a good argument you make, man.
0: There's someone in the comments that just says, no, Mike, with an exclamation. <laughs>
1: good. Uh, Are you a touche? Oh, you convinced us? And we also have
0: somebody um, <laughs> saying that they love your taco shirt. Oh, thank which, you. No complaints there. Uh, we also <laughs> have another person who asked a long time ago at the beginning of the show, did Rousey really get three million on that fight? If so, how could they justify it to only to only give a hundred thousand to Amanda Nunes? Um to that, I would tell you that those are just the disclosed, guaranteed money. Right. Um, but, yes, she did get that. Ronda Rousey got $3 million to show. There was no win bonus, That not that she would have gotten that anyways. Right. Amanda Nunes was paid $100,000 to show, and that's what she would have walked away with had she lost – she got another one hundred thousand dollars in the form of a win bonus for that win bonus for that two hundred thousand dollars. She reportedly also had pay per view buys, and you know Ronda Rousey had pay per view buys. Yeah. So they both are probably getting some kind of residual on top of that a percentage of, of the pay per view money. Yeah. Um, you know, and somebody asked actually Amanda Nunes about it after a post fight conference, and she all she really said was like, "I feel like I'm going to get a lot of money."
1: I, that's I hope so she, because they can't justify. It. Yeah. I mean, listen, like run is a draw. But that type of disparity is absurd when one person's a champion and the other isn't, and that's 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 the problem when the promoter has complete say really over uh, over what fight purses are, and there's no real um, sanctioning bodies that negotiate that and, and stuff like that. But yeah, it it is absurd when the defending champion is making uh, a fraction of, yeah. of the challenger. Right? Um, I I think Ronda should make that and should make more. It's not me saying Ronda should make less. But yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing when both of them didn't make millions of dollars. You seen this before Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, he
0: got paid. Um, Great point. Significantly less for the UFC As 205 fight. Champion. Um, and that's point. when Conor McGregor got three million out. That also point of emphasis is the record. That's a, also a huge kind of moment. Even though we might think that it's not justified how the discrepancy between Nunes and Rousey's pay, mm-hmm. Rousey getting three million is also a huge milestone because. That's what Conor got for UFC 205. That's the highest guaranteed money that a fighter's ever been given at the UFC. The old record was 2.5 million. Brock Lesnar tied that um, at UFC 200. Yeah. McGregor had gotten that before.
1: Two lighter um, weight fighters, one's a woman. That's pretty cool now. And one's oh, a woman, wow. and that's
0: you know a big deal. That the, yeah. the record for pay in um, MMA is uh, tied between. It's the same for a man and a woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now that being said, the UFC deserves some props for that, but. If we were to dive into average pay, that uh, (laughs) discrepancy would become more apparent.
1: That's the upside uh, of that.
0: And the Rousey-Nunes is that. But uh, there's an upside to that that can't be um, ignored. For sure. um, But, yeah, those are our lists. We also have um, some people saying that they liked your list, Elias. Thank you. Look for the article on uh, Sports Illustrated later today from my list. Uh, Elias voted with the Champions crew over um, at champions.co. So you can check there and follow them on Twitter at Champions Fight.
1: Uh, yeah, it on is. That. And Twitter at Champions Fight. And, and Facebook, it's Hardcore Champions or something like that. And yeah,
0: so to uh, see their, their list, um, actually. Um, and we'll be back next week. Um, we really wanted to get on Angelo Reyes, who's. Uh, Frank Mir's coach yeah uh, he's been working with Jessica Andrade um you know she's been rumored to be next in line to fight Joanna champion so that's a cool we really friend. wanted to get him on but we're uh, out of time unfortunately so I'm going to talk with him off air and hopefully get him on next week um we're working on a couple other guests for next week
1: can I tease uh one of Nunez's coaches we got a, yes. we got a commitment from one of Amanda Nunez's coaches Dean Thomas to come on next week so hopefully he'll be on that'll be awesome and a repeat guest
0: yeah, again, that's right. As Angelo.
1: They're coming back. We're not driving them away. That's awesome, Mike. So, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can put away that copy of the art of the interview. <laughs> uh, so as always, make sure to subscribe in iTunes or Google Play, whichever uh, mobile device you use. We're also in the tuning app. We're also in Stitcher. Um, so make sure to subscribe, but also please review uh, leave Five Star rating and write a little review if you could. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can catch us every wednesday at 2 p.m central on the sports illustrated mma facebook page and if you want to be a part of the show you can call this number leave a voicemail with your name and a question and we'll answer it on the air Uh, the phone number is 815-570-3923 815-570-3923 and until then we'll see you next week also I should also plug that the Bellator 170 press conference with Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz has also been u- uploaded to the podcast. It wasn't broadcast. Oh, obviously. That's awesome. But if you subscribe, you can listen to the entire call with Chael Sonnen, uh, Tito Ortiz, Scott Coker, Bellator MMA presidents yeah. on there, uh, Paul Daly, and Brennan Ward, who is an underrated fighter, an underappreciated fighter, but he's a guy who just likes to throw bombs. Um, and he's fun to talk to at times. So you can also get that if you subscribe. But, again, Uh, Wednesdays 2 p.m. Central time on the Sports Illustrated MMA page. Make sure you like the page so you get notified. And we will see you next week.